Lions of the game. St George, Illawarra to the death, trying. Brown goes to the air. Going back is Mabel. Oh, sleeping high and taking it in marvellous fashion with Rod Wishart. He has scored an incredible try and ties this small game up. Bartram from 18 metres out. He strikes it nicely. St George Illawarra win for the first time in their Premiership line. Here's Nathan Blacklock down the sideline. Chipping over the top of Joel Kane. Got a red surface bounce to win the game for the Dragons and book himself a New South Wales Blues origin jumper. Good evening, folks, and welcome to another edition of the Red V Podcast. Uh, the Red V Podcast uh, is your home for everything St. George Illawarra, and today we celebrate episode number 88 of the podcast. A little bit of a change tonight. No, Johnny Pett, he's working hard for the money and uh, unfortunately unable to uh, to make it to the podcast studios or his, his podcast phone tonight, but uh, delighted to be joined by a former first-grade referee and a former trainer for the Dragons at New South Wales Cup and Reserve Grade side and a massive uh, Dragons fan, uh, Luke Potter. I'll introduce Luke to you in a moment. Uh, so tonight's episode, uh, not as packed as we normally have here on the Red V podcast with uh, things slowly drying up towards the end of the 2021 uh, NRL season. We're going to be taking a look at your latest Dragons news and updates. Uh, Gunford Shalom Uwafu has signed a contract uh, with the Dragons to be a development player for season 2022. Luke and I will dissect that and take a look at all of the other Dragons news and updates. Updates. We'll also uh, take a look at our preview section, where something we were going to start last week, but decided to push it back to this week. We're going to uh, re- review, pardon me, not preview, review the uh, fullback and wing positions uh, for the Dragons that were quite contentious in season 2021. And we'll answer your fans' questions and also play a trailer for part three of The Missing Rings, which is uh, dropping on Thursday night, the 23rd of September, continuing our documentary series there. I spoke about him before. He's uh, been uh, gracious enough to join Join the Red V podcast. He got rave reviews after his last appearance on the podcast. So delighted to have uh, Luke Potter back, uh, a man that lives and breathes everything St. George Illawarra. And Luke's been kind enough uh, to give up some time and help us, uh, I guess, co-host the uh, the podcast here this afternoon on episode 88. Potsy, uh, nice to have you on the podcast, mate. How are you traveling? Jack, fantastic. And thank you again for the, the call up off the bench. It's always a pleasure to be on the Red V podcast. So thank you, mate. Pleasure to be uh, talking Dragons footy uh, with you, Potsy. Unfortunately, uh, I guess around this time of the year, as with us, uh, Dragons fans are probably wishing that our sides are still playing. It's exciting for a lot of rugby league fans to see uh, the sides uh, trimmed down to four at the moment. And we saw a cracking semi-final between Penrith and, and Parramatta. Fingers crossed that that maybe by some chance we might be uh, we might be playing semi-final football next year. It's been a, it's been a bit of a, a wait between drinks for us Dragons fans, hasn't it, Potsy? Yeah, it certainly has. And even too, we think back to our good old days with the reserve grade New South Wales Cup mm. team as well that had been prominent in the final series for, for that competition for a lot of years and obviously winning the competition a few years back as well in that competition. So yeah, if it's not our first grade team being there, at least we always had our, our reserve grade staff. But again, not to be, COVID's gone and wrecked that. But as you said, we can only hope and cross fingers that next year may be the year for the St. George Illawarra Dragons in making that top eight and uh, hopefully making a bit of a charge deep into the finals. Well, let's get stuck into our Dragons news and updates. Folks, not too much around, but a few little tidbits of information to keep you updated on what's happening at the St. George Illawarra Dragons. (laughs) 
So as I spoke about at the top of the program and something you may have seen on our social media channels over the last couple of days, it was announced on Sunday that Shalom Uwafu has signed a development contract uh, for the Dragons for 2022. He joins both Josh Corrick and Jackson Sherub as uh, the other development players in that St. George Illawarra Dragons squad. So a little bit about uh, Shalom. We featured him on our podcast earlier uh, this year. He's been uh, biding his time in the Jersey Fleek system and then uh, promoted up to the reserve grade side. He's a damaging ball runner on the edge. He's got good pace, silky skills. He's um, yeah, a very a strong player out wider, a difficult guy to carry, uh, to tackle, pardon me, and, and take some really strong carries forward. And I think he'll be a good acquisition for, for the Dragons here, Potsy. And they've obviously got big wraps on him. And, and we've seen what some of the development players in the past have done, uh, some pretty famous ones in the likes of Junior Ramon and uh, both Jaden Sullivan that were able to play some first grade footy this year for the Red V. That's not necessarily going to happen for those three guys we spoke about, but uh, for those that that know, I guess, some about uh, some, something about these local juniors and have seen some of these guys play, which you have with with uh, Joshy Corrick. And I know uh, Johnny's uh, got big raps on Jacko Sherub, who's been playing a bit down with the Thoreau Butchers when he's not in that Dragon system. It's exciting to see some of these juniors that the Dragons are, are holding on to, and you can't hold on to all of them, unfortunately, but the, the ones that they've got at their disposal look like they could be some, some good footy players uh, moving forward. Oh, absolutely. This is fantastic news. And Jack, I absolutely love this. There's a lot of people that always ask, what was the deal with the Phil Gould uh, review that he did when he came into the Dragons? Well, I think now we're starting to see the fruits of what he did when he came in for that review. And it was all around junior development. We've seen what it's done for the Penrith Panthers in bringing through their juniors. And we're now seeing the St. George Illawarra Dragons do something the same the naming there of those boys going onto these development contracts. And now we find out where these boys have come from. They're all from the Steelers SG ball team that won the competition mm. a few years ago. And we look at some of these players from that team now. We had Tyrell Sloan on the wing. Matt and Max Feeguy were in this team. Bud Amone, uh, sorry, Bud Sullivan and Junior Amone were in the halves. Jackson Sherrod was playing back row. Josh Corrick was on the bench. These are seven players from the Steelers SG ball team have now been brought through to be part of what is some already in this NRL team, but also on development contracts. So I think this is fantastic news for Dragons fans. And this is about building a team that's going to continue on in years to come. So I'm very excited by this news. And I think this is fantastic and a, and a great show from the, the Dragons to support local juniors in coming through because we certainly have a great rugby league nursery up in St. George as well as the Illawarra as well. So I think this is fantastic. And I think that was the big thing about Anthony Griffin coming in, wasn't it? I know he's had success in rebuilding sides and, and getting sides to the finals, but it was, I guess, what he'd done at Penrith. And and I guess there's two sides to the coins. People people arguing that, that Gus did a lot of, of that, that groundwork or that legwork out there at Penrith. But you would certainly think that Anthony Griffin did have a say. He gave debuts to, to I think, the likes of Viliami Kikau and Jerome Luai, Nathan Cleary, those kind of guys. And we're seeing a, a similar thing here. I, I know there was a lot of conjecture, Potsy, about Corey Norman not being bumped out of the number six jumper towards the end of the season. And perhaps he was adding a bit of experience to the likes of Sullivan and Amone and Sloan and uh, Fiona, the Fiona boys who, who got a few games under, the, under their belts. It's promising that not only is their players coming through that Illawarra and that St. George system, but they're getting opportunities at, at first grade as well. Yeah, that's right. And as you mentioned earlier just then as well about the whole balancing of a squad and a team, um, not only in regard to player numbers, but financially as well. We've read all these stories about the Dragons and the money ball approach and that sort of thing. But it's a real art form in being able to manage these 
teams and squads, and we're seeing this where we can bring through these juniors that we don't have to pay a lot of money for. And then you also go out to market and find some of these other players whose um, contracts can be filled by the team that they're leaving as well. So obviously Moses Mbai coming into the into the Dragons this year as well, that the West Tigers will be paying some of his contract. We've seen that with McCulloch. We've seen that with Maguire as well. I think we're doing some good things here because that frees up some of the good money as well to allow the Dragons to go to market and hopefully find one of those big-name players to come into the club as well. So, look, I think things are building nicely for the club. Obviously, we've gone through some tough times recently, mm. but hopefully this is the start of good things to come. And we sort of saw some green shoots there with those boys um, – Obviously, Jaden playing uh, those last games as well, yeah. where he got chucked in at number nine. Like that's so out of position for him. And I know you're going to touch on something exciting, breaking news for him as well um, in regards to him and the club. But um, I think it was great for him to play in that nine. It certainly adds value to him that he can go to nine, he can play seven, and then also to know what we've got out the back in regards to Tyrell Sloan. So yeah, some very exciting times there. Yeah, talking of, of Jaden Sullivan, uh, nothing confirmed uh, as of yet, but we do know that the Dragons are in uh, consultation with him and his management in attempt to, to get a deal done. And I know that November 1 is the date that if he isn't signed by then, he, he can uh, chat to other clubs. But I think anyone that knows Jaden that uh, loves living down in the, the south of the Illawarra, loves uh, growing up in that Illawarra region and, and no doubt having and played a lot of his football and, and local footy in that area, I don't think he's going to be going anywhere. Obviously, I think Dragon fans... <laughs> We'll probably feel a bit more comfortable when pen's been put to paper. But, um, yeah, I, I, I do know of it from, yeah, a couple of really good sources close to the club that he is in discussions uh, with them and, and looking like a, a deal will inevitably, inevitably uh, be done there at the Dragons. Certainly want to try and lock down Jaden Sullivan. We saw, I guess, some glimpses of how good he can be with some of those darting and, and weaving amazing runs that he made from a dummy half that uh, the Potsy was just touching on. So we'll have to keep tabs on that and uh, see that hopefully a deal gets done soon. And our last bit of Dragons news and updates is in regards to Tarek Sims. Again, uh, one of our close contacts that close to the club, a good friend of mine, Stephen, um, has been really good in, in passing off a few little tidbits of information. Nothing confirmed as of yet, but looking like uh, the UK Super League is the most likely destination for, for Tarek Sims. There hasn't been any bites from any of the other NRL clubs. Uh, and as, as I've spoken about before in the podcast, I think the Dragons are doing the right thing in, in terms of uh, I guess for lack of a better word, moving um, moving uh, Tarek on and not re-signing him when he'll be 32 or, or 33 and potentially using that money uh, to, to go to um, maybe re-signing some of these younger younger players or trying to sign a, a marquee player. Um, but yeah, looking like the Super League is the, the most likely destination and potentially for 2022. Again, no confirmation on that. It's just conjecture. Um, but uh, yeah, well, you would I think as all Dragons fans, you'd love to see Tarek continue his career and we know that um, a couple of the Sims boys have had success over in the in the UK in recent years, and I think he would certainly add to that if uh, if he could uh, get a contract and get a deal um, over there in the UK. Uh, also, in regards to I guess player movement uh, in in regards to the Dragons, um, it's been uh, touring and froing with the the, the Villiami kickout rumours, but now it's it's kind of come out the, the the Penrith Brass and the Penrith Board have kind of come out and said that they're pretty confident of re-signing uh, him and um, yeah a, a few other players there at the Panthers for a little bit less. Um, Potsy, I'm not overly against the, the Dragons not 
getting Viliami Kikau. I think for what it was eight hundred or nine hundred thousand dollars a season, um, the, the the figure that was being thrown around by by different journalists in in the rugby league world. I know he's a marquee player. I know he's a, a damaging ball runner. But watching some of these recent Penrith games, where Penrith admittedly haven't been uh, firing in top gear, he does have a few errors in him. He does go missing uh, in a few games, and and I guess there's been so much criticism of of the contract with Ben Hunt. And I think Ben certainly proved his worth over the last couple of seasons with the Dragons with some sterling displays and hell he's our captain now which is so great to see but I think when you see that big money that's being thrown around it really has the ability to, to hamstring a club and 900k for an edge back rower that probably only runs 12 or 13 times a game yet you're getting into into risky territory when you do that in my opinion. Yeah you certainly are and obviously we've seen in the past where the club has been burnt the Dragons club has been burnt by buying players on top dollar and obviously not getting return on investment. And um, I'm so glad you mentioned that about Kickout's form at the moment because I was going to say the same thing. There's something going on with him at the moment at this back end of the season that he has gone missing in some of these games. And this is where, obviously, you want your big dollar player to be standing up and making an impression on the team and trying to get the team home for a victory. And we just haven't seen that from Kickout. So, look, I think it, it's maybe good that the Dragons have gone cold on this deal and and just let it slide because I don't think at the moment um, Kikau is in the form that he needs to be if he wants to demand that sort of money. Yeah, and I think it's a little bit different running off the likes of Jerome Luai and Nathan Cleary who have been killing it for Penrith this season and have, have played origin football for, for the Blues and, and running off. And no disrespect to the Dragons players, but but some younger guys that are still trying to prove their worth and, um, and yeah, some players that probably aren't up to the standard of the likes of Jerome Luai and, and Nathan Cleary. So, um, yeah, it's an interesting one, but it's to and fro um, from one end to the other. So I wouldn't be surprised if it falls back potentially in the favour of the Dragons, but maybe the Dragons uh, will have dodged a bullet there in regards to Viliami Kikau. That completes our Dragons news and updates for this week, folks. As always, if there's something that we may have missed or you've got some feedback about uh, the, the program or anything else that uh, we spoke about just there, please do get in contact with us. Best way is to email us redvpodcast at gmail.com. That is redvpodcast at gmail.com. We're going to take our first break here on the Red V Podcast. On the other side of that, Potsy and I are going to dive in and review the fullback and wing positions for the St. George Illawarra Dragons. They were uh, contentious. They were a Aggressive. They were injured. They were suspended. There was all sorts of drama uh, in the three-quarter line and the fullback position for the Dragons throughout 2021. We're going to take a look at what we thought happened in 2021 and what went right, what went wrong, and uh, what we can look forward to with some of the young guys uh, coming through this Dragon system in 2022. That's coming up next here on the Red V Podcast. You're listening to the Red V Podcast. Jack Clifton being joined by special guest Luke Potter in absence of Johnny Pett here this afternoon in episode 88 of the Red V Podcast. Before we get stuck in and take a look at our position review for season 2021, we're going to take a look at the fullbacks and wingers for the Dragons. We are just going to play you a little bit of a teaser trailer for the Missing Rings. It's our podcast documentary we've been working on over the last six or so months. We've currently released our first two parts to that, detailing the 1992 season. Part three is dropping on Thursday evening, the 23rd of September, where it, uh, I guess, climaxes with the Dragons run into the semifinals, two cracking games against Illawarra, as well as a wonderful semifinal against Newcastle, and eventually moving their way into the grand final against the Brisbane Broncos. It's not one It's not one you want to miss. So here is a sneak peek of what you might have missed out and what you might be looking forward to with the missing rings.
The Missing Rings tells the chronicle of the comeback of the St George Dragons in the early 1990s. It's also a story of pride, fulfillment and passion. From the dark days of the late 1980s... I was expecting it to be, you know, fully professional. Everyone's just on the same page, doing the same thing. And, you know, what I found was actually a little bit of a disappointment for me because it was just like a big country football club, except you got to play on television every week. Came a club with no identity and very little quality. They didn't replenish the stocks. I don't know what happened. I think it was probably more the, you know, the people who's in recruitment decision, they, 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 just, they didn't have any more players to, to fill the spots of all the players that went on. To initial success, belief, and the mateship it created. We, we had a real good bond off the field as well. Um, blokes who just got on really well. A really good culture at the club. You know, all the way from the, from the staff in the, in the club through to the players, the coaching staff. And we, and we played well because we got on really well together. Get a special look at the coaching, game plans and planning that made St George so successful during this era. We take you inside the bubble of the St George sides that restored pride back into the club and in the meantime took the Saints to back-to-back grand finals. Time gets into a space inside the 40-metre line. Wolford, Mandrugu won't get him. Wolford, he gets the first try. Hear exclusive highlights from all of the big games in 1992 and 1993 with recollections from the Dragons players that experienced it, including Brad Mackay, Noel Goldthorpe, Scott Goulet, Tony Priddle, Jeff Hardy, and Rex Turk. This five-part documentary series is not one you want to miss. Part one released on the 9th of September on all of your favourite podcast channels. That was our trailer for The Missing Rings, one that you've probably heard a few times before, but uh, make sure you don't miss out. There's still uh, three more parts as we delve into the back end of 1992 and push uh, into 1993, which is an incredible uh, successful season for the St. George Dragons. Let's look at a position review, fullbacks and wingers for season 2021. It was a very interesting season if you're a fan of the St. George Illawarra Dragons, Potsy, especially, I guess, the not the carousel at the number one jumper, but certainly um, a, a little bit of a, a jostling between both Matt Dufty and Tyrell Sloan for that number one jumper throughout the season. Jack Bird got a couple of games there as well. But I think the confidence as a Dragons fan looking into your crystal ball for 2022, you've got to feel pretty good about the number one that donned the jumper over the last couple of games in Tyrell Sloan, don't you? Oh, you're absolutely right. And yeah, wasn't it a bit of a, a mixed bag for the fullbacks this year? We uh, we saw four of them make the appearance in the in the number one jersey in Duff Sloan, uh, Jack Bird, and also Cody Ramsey as well. Mm. He played two games there at the back. But yes, I agree. I think we've found our number one now, and it is got to be Tyrell Sloan moving forward. Uh, I thought he was outstanding. He Not once did he look out of place when he came up into that first grade team. He just looks like a footballer. He looks like a first grader, and he just knows where to be on that field. We've seen him pop up a number of times to get over the white stripe. Five games, six tries. Um, he was fantastic, 537 run metres for the year and 52 tackles. So he can certainly get mm. through his defence as well. So I think Tyrell certainly um, made a real big play 
for this number one jersey for next year. And I think he's the one that the club really need to go with uh, moving forward to keep him in the one. But, yeah, look, you've got to feel sorry for, for poor Daft. I thought he was fantastic um, for what he did in, in the season that was very difficult for him as well, obviously being a, a local junior with the Dragons and coming through the grades and having to go what he did in regards to not knowing where his future lied, obviously as a fullback and then obviously with his time at the club. But, no, look, looking forward, <clears throat> excuse me, looking forward, um, yeah, it's got to be Tyrell Sloan in the number one jersey for the Dragons. And talking of Matt Dufty, there was certainly some sparkling moments in an otherwise, I guess, difficult season for him. I guess when you're looking at the, the top performances of the of the season, you're probably looking at that uh, Thursday night game at Cogra Oval where the, the Dragons hammered the Broncos 52 to 24 and Duffman had about five, uh, say in about five or, or six tries and put on some sterling performances. And there was also a few other games, I know down in Wollongong against Manly the first time out. He, he put in a really good shift there. And then you, you look at some of the other number one performances. I thought Tyrell Sloan was was great in his debut game a, against uh, against Canberra where he scored a try and got the Dragons home in a two-point thriller. And even uh, looking at, at Cody Ramsey, he only played a couple of games there, Potsy, but that incredible, weaving, amazing run as the siren sounded at Cogra Oval against the, the Sharkies in Friday Night Football was, was another moment that got Dragons fans their feet. So even though a difficult season where there was only eight wins and there was definitely some questions question marks and some conjecture about what uh, Anthony Griffin's selection policy was like. There were still some exciting moments from the number ones that, that donned the jersey for the Red V. Yeah, yeah, and you're absolutely right. That game against the Broncos for Matt Dufty, um, round 13 it was, and yeah, he was just fantastic. And I'm trying to think of the timeline of events. I think it was, was it not long after this game that the the um, the noise started about him mm. being moved on and not wanting at the club. And it was off the back of this game where, he, yeah, he scored two tries, 16 runs and five try assists. And that was something that I loved that Duff brought into his game um, over the years as well, was that pass, that long pass that he could throw to hit the winger on the chest. And nine times out of 10, it was big nick of um, crossing. And he certainly looked after Cody Ramsey a couple of times as well when Cody mm. was playing on the wing as well to, to put him over for tries. And I just thought it was fantastic. It showed that Duff was prepared to grow his game. Yeah, he's fast. Yeah, he's got great feet and he can motor, but he also brought in something new to his game. And that's what you want to see with your footballers. They can bring in something new, bring something into the kit bag that they can rely on later. And for Duff, it was that passing game. And we saw it there on that, that Thursday night with those five try assists, he was massive in that game. And then all of a sudden that noise started and it was all about his defence and he was just not good enough um, when defending goal line and putting the players into position when he's defending at the back. So um, fast forward now, we know that he's not going to be there, but I thought it was, um, yeah, very hard for him. And like I said, obviously coming through the the juniors up there in, in, in Cogra and then coming through the, the Dragons junior rep program and to finally make it the first grade was a fantastic achievement. And I'd personally, I'd, I'd like to wish him luck moving mm. forward as he, he goes across to the Bulldogs because I think he'll be outstanding for them next year and it could be another one of uh, one of the, I think, the things that the Dragons have, have missed mm. out on of letting Duff go. But we've got juniors coming through that we've obviously got to promote and um, that's the thing that moving forward for the Dragons. Tyrell Sloan's debut against Canberra was, uh, I guess, a similar day to the day that we're recording, Potsy. I don't know what it's like uh, down south, but up in uh, in the beautiful Sutherland Shire, there's been a howling wind all day and it was a howling wind down at Wollongong. It was one of those uh, games that, yeah, you're probably terrified to try and catch some of those big swirling bombs with the breeze from the beach are pushing across the, the former Wollongong showground, now known as Wind Stadium, but Tyrell Sloan, I don't 
don't think he, he dropped a bomb all night. He scored a try. He marshaled his troops brilliantly. And the Dragons probably caused a bit of a bit of an upset um, with a 22-20 win. I guess right in the, the midst of what was happening with Barbecue Gate, it was just a couple of weeks removed from um, the, that, that win against the Warriors that led to all of that awful news that came out that everyone thought had derailed the, the season, but a bit of an upset win there for the Dragons and, and what a dream start for Tyrell to not only help his side get uh, get to a win, but also score a try on, on Dabu. What did you what did you like from him and the, the few appearances that he made for the Dragons? Yeah, look, that debut was fantastic. And uh, not only was Tyrell slain on debut that night, but so too was Luke Potter in the ground announcement yeah. box for the Dragons as well. And mate, to see him... When he scored that try, it was right underneath the ground announcer's box there at the northern end of, of Wynn Stadium. And uh, my apologies now to anyone that was at the ground because I certainly gave it some through that microphone <laughs> when he scored that try. It was just so great to see a young kid for everything that he's been through as well. We've heard his backstory before of his his upbringing and what he's done and um, looking after his grandmother now um, with his dragon's money and that sort of thing. He's just a fantastic kid. And to see what he did that night on debut when they – took it out against the Raiders too, wasn't it? 22-20, um, they defeated him there, and he scored that try. He made 10 runs, 66 metres. Um, he was just fantastic, and again, on debut, but not once did he look like he was out of place in that first-grade team, and he only built on that as the year went on as well. I thought there was a couple of times when he could have been given an opportunity to play fullback um, during the year, but then we saw Jack Bird get slotted in there for a couple of games in front of him, um, which is a little bit of a a weird one, but obviously it might have been something tactical at the time that Coach Griffin was looking for. But I thought, um, yeah, Tyrell could have been given a, a couple more opportunities there at the back, but obviously he's going to get a lot more now moving forward with the Dragons. Is is it an exciting time, do you reckon, Potsy, to have Tyrell at, at number one? I, I guess his combination with the likes of Junior Monet and Jaden Sullivan and Matt and Max Fiennes and those kind of players, it's almost a juniors revolution. Is there a cause for optimism despite the, the departure of Dufty? Yeah, I think so. And we've, we've sort of seen it too um, with some of those boys already playing in first grade. You just see um, how up they are. They're just so excited about being there. The moment does not phase them that they're playing first grade. They're playing NRL. They're in front of the big crowds. They're on TV. It just does not phase them. They're just excited to be out there with their mates. We've seen it with the Panthers, with the way they carry on, with their excitement and the energy that it brings. Well, I think this is the same thing that's going to happen for the Dragons. I think these youngsters are going to bring some real excitement and some real energy to this team. And we talk about how important the back five is now in our game. These are the guys that are getting our set started from the back end of the field. So if we're coming out of trouble or we're coming off um, kicks into the backfield, then we're looking at these back five to make those metres to start building some momentum in the sets for the Dragons to play off. So we really need to see some hard running from these guys. So it's the Tyrell Sloan at fullback. It's Matt and Max V guy when they're in first grade to come through and, and make those strong carries at the back end of the field so the Dragons can build off that to get down to the good ball end of the field. So, um, yeah, look, oh, I'm excited about what these juniors are bringing and you can only imagine what the excitement is within the, the first grade team when they, they see these juniors take the field as well. Potsy, let's shift our attention from the number one position in season 2021 uh, to the wing spots, jerseys two and, and five, and probably um, just as, uh, I guess, just as damaging for for the season was the the spots of the wingers. We'll, we'll talk about um, uh, Lomax and the, the injury concerns he had throughout the season because he had a, a season from hell. But I guess you could kind of say that even though Mika Ravalava was the leading try scorer for the Dragons, he had a very uh, disrupted and at times 
most disappointing campaign. Twice uh, suspended for, for shoulder charge uh, issues. We had Cody Ramsey who had, I think he got a snap tooth against uh, the Canberra Raiders late in the season and, and didn't get much of a look in there. He was playing a bit of fullback as well, Cody, and probably didn't put in the best performances that he would have liked in that wing position. We saw... Uh, Max Fiennay play a bit of wing and then he picked up a pretty serious concussion against uh, the Sharks in that Friday night game and then didn't feature again for the Dragons because he had ongoing concussion sy- symptoms. That kind of opened the door for, for Matt Fiennay, his brother, to play. He did his knee and tore his MCL when he was playing reserve grade and then he got a chance to, to play the last kind of half dozen games. It was a bit of a licorice all sorts in, and I guess you could probably attach that or apply that to the, the whole Dragons side. No doubt the performances and some of the team selections and no doubt what happened off the field with the barbecue certainly had impacts on the season, Potsy. But if this this Dragons side, and obviously Ben Hunt missing for, for eight or nine weeks throughout the season, if we're able to keep our, our, um, our players on the paddock, much like sides like Melbourne and and the Panthers and, and some of those Parramatta, some of those top upper echelon sides that didn't have too many injury concerns, uh, I think we would have been looking at a darn sight more than, than eight wins during the season. Oh, absolutely. And when you're in professional organisations and professional sport, you, you don't want to lean on your excuses. But, geez, the Dragons have got a fair um, excuse to be leaning on in regards to what had happened to their team right throughout the year in regards to injuries and suspensions. And we saw that in these two examples of Zach Lomax and Mika Ravalawa. Poor Zach goes and breaks his hand again. Um, he only gets 12 games this year, manages to score four tries, but he broke his hand in round eight. We didn't see him again until round 21 following the um, return from injury and then obviously his barbecue suspension as well. That's a fair chunk of time to be missing for one of your strike players that you have in, in Zach Lomax. And then you add to that poor Mika, um, who I think was very hard done by this season. Definitely. In regards to some of the suspensions that he copped, like, yeah, anyway, they've very, been very well documented and I can only agree with everyone else in regards to how harshly he'd been treated this year because he's an absolute powerhouse and if he can get some consistency um, in regards to game time and staying on the field, he could be anything next year. He's just so strong and what he can produce in scoring some of those tries that we've seen this year, uh, 14 tries, as you said, leading try scorer for the, for the club. He was outstanding, but eight weeks that he had to sit on the bench mm-hmm. and as I mentioned before, He's one of the ones that's going to come in to get these sets started for the Dragons. He's going to come out of dummy half and make those tough carries to try and get those sets started. So Mick is going to be huge for this team next year. And Zach, if we can get him back next year fit, because even the year before, it was very stop-start for him as well. The the broken hand from um, the boxing. They had a boxing session on an off week um, just to try and lighten the load on their legs. And he goes and breaks his hand and, he was out for an extended time the year before as well. So, yeah, look, hopefully Zach can get over his injuries and, and be fit and try and, yeah, get some consistent games under his belt and the same as Mika. And it, it sort of augurs well for the, for the Dragons moving forward, doesn't it? It almost felt like with those suspensions for, for Mika Ravalawa that it seemed to really knock his confidence around Potsy. I know that Dragons fans last year um, and uh, at the back end of 2019 when, when Ravalawa was first breaking into that that first grade side, he was uh, it, it was a one out of 10 chance at times he was going to take some of those high balls and he made a lot of fundamental errors. Um, but he really improved that, I thought, uh, in the early portions um, of that 2020 season and he really excelled last year and, in, and that obviously... Uh, 
um, fell into to this year. But it almost seemed after those couple of suspensions, he still scored a couple of really nice tries and finished off some good backline moves. But it almost looked like he had the jitters a little bit under the high ball and made a few errors coming out of his own end. It was like those suspensions had kind of rattled his confidence. So I hope that doesn't continue into 2022. And I hope he still has that confidence to, to come up with those aggressive tackles. Because as you mentioned, Potsy, I think a lot of Dragons fans were pretty furious at the the way that those tackles were reported and um, the, the fact that he had to spend so much time away from the game because of those suspensions. I think his aggression and that, I guess, for lack of a better word, those torpedo tackles where he charges in with his shoulder, it's, it's, it's almost copybook rugby league tackling from yesteryear, except in, in these days and age, you can't unfortunately lead with the shoulder as much as you would. Would have liked. So I just hope that Mika can can rediscover that that early season form where he was such a, a damaging uh, ball runner, not only on the wing, but uh, I guess coming out of his own end as well. Yeah, as you mentioned, he is very much a confidence player and, and I hope that the coaching staff can sit down with him at the start of pre-season and put together all of his clips of all of the good things that he did right throughout season 2021. I know myself. Can I get a whoop whoop? I'm Lacey Green, and I'm a super trainer at Body. That's B-O-D-I dot com. And you know what's missing from the entire fitness industry? A program for beginners only. Not anymore. I've created a program called For Beginners Only, and it is for everybody and everybody. It's a three-week program only on Body, the world's first health esteem platform. That means it's a place for you to work on loving who you are right now as you work on who you are becoming. I'll ease you into exercise with low-impact cardio, strength, core, and mobility workouts that will help you feel great as soon as you get started. I'll help you build your foundation and show you how simple it can be to make a change just by showing up. It's for beginners only because I want you to know you can do it, and I want you to get results. Let's find the joy and drop the judgment. And whoop, whoop! Now you can try for beginners only with your free trial of body. So there's no reason not to get started. Go to body.com today. That's body with an I.com. From coaching perspective, I had a coach in my past who spoke about confidence breeds confidence. If you can pump someone's tires up, they're going to feel good about themselves and they're going to go out there and do a job for you. So I really hope that coach Griffin and his coaching staff will sit down with Mika and just run through his highlights for this season and show him the strength and the force that he has um, to hopefully get that confidence again to, to have a really good start to the next year. Yeah, well, we uh, need him firing on all cylinders. He's a, a real weapon, and it might sound a little bit funny with the fact that he's only uh, 23 or be 24 by the time preseason uh, starts, but with so many of these young players coming in, he becomes a bit of a senior senior player, having played over 50 first-grade games alongside um, Zach Lomax on that uh, that one side together. So they're going to need to put in some really good shifts, and hopefully uh, the injury curse doesn't uh, doesn't strike them down uh, too much. I guess uh, looking at the, the, the wing position, I guess it kind of more, into the, the center position. We've spoken a bit about Zach and his injury um, concerns, which is un- unfortunate. But on the other side of the field, Potsy, you've got um, Jack Bird, who played a bit of fullback. He, he mainly played center. Then he was shifted into the into the back row. It's looking like that if Moses Suley um, comes the Dragons, and we've seen some reports from both Buzz Rothfield and also Danny Widler that it's a done deal. Nothing's been announced by either of the, the two clubs. They might be waiting until the end of the season to, to announce that. But you, you're assuming that when Suley comes in, he goes into that other centre spot and Jack Bird pushes to the to the back row, which I think is probably the best thing. I don't know if Jack has the maybe the the, the pace and the agility to, to defend in those um, those outside back positions. Is that a, is that a fair assessment of Jack Bird, do you reckon, Potsy? Yeah, I, I believe so. I think that Jack Bird 
will next year become similar to the role that Wade Graham was playing um, for the Sharks before he finished up with his concussions earlier this season, where he just works so well on that edge as a back rower. He does a great job there for the Sharks, and I think it's similar to what Jack Bird can be doing for the Dragons next year because obviously we need to make some room and um, hopefully the only reason that this isn't being announced his signing is because Manly are still in the in the fight for the finals at the moment that Moses Suley's announcement of signing with the Dragons hasn't been done uh, officially yet. But again, from what we're hearing, it's been done. It's three years, $1.7 million, and he is a massive lump, 23 years old, 190 centimetres and 110 kilos. To think what he'll do on the other side of the field as a centre when you've already got that combination of Zach and Micker on the right, if we can get Moses there playing on the left with uh, Figai as well, that is going to be fantastic. And again, it falls back to what we spoke about before, having those strong carries from the back end of the field. And if Moses is going to be there to, to help start those sets, then we're really looking good in regards to trying to move forward and get some momentum within our sets for the Dragons. But yeah, look, again, I can only think the only reason it hasn't been made public mm. yet is because Manly's still in the charge for the final. So fingers crossed it is a, it is a signing that the Dragons have made and he is coming next year. Um, but again, we now look to Cody Ramsey. Where does that leave him now? Yeah. We've already filled our one spot and we've already got our two centres and our two wingers. Where do we fit Cody Ramsey? Because he's actually signed with the club um, for an extended period of time. Is it... Um, to 2024, I think it is, mm. um, that he's, yeah, 2024, he's signed till. So he's still on the books for a very long time and the Dragons got to try and guess find a spot for him. Does he become a bench player? Is this something that he can do from the bench? I don't know. But anyway, good problem for the Dragons to have. Now they're starting to create some depth in that back five. Talking of that, that back five, I think it gives optimism for us as Dragons fans, doesn't it? Potts with Tyrell Sloan in that fullback role, you're assuming, and then Mika Ravalara and Matt Finney on, on the wings. Two very different players. Both have big size. Ravas, that, that cannonball, that guy that's going to run through a brick wall from you, for you in a, a really strong physical presence. Not saying that Matt isn't, but Matt's a little bit more graceful, has some a good speed, has a good step on him. And then Moses Suley, Zach Lomax in the centres and, and potentially either Junior Ramon or Jaden Sullivan partnering Ben Hunt in the halves. It's probably the, the best-looking back line the, the Dragons have been able to, to put uh, for some years, maybe dating back to, to 2018 when the, the likes of Benny Hunt and, and Gareth Widdop were, were guiding the Dragons around. Yeah, and I think going back to, to Max as well, he's sort of that gentle giant, um, very soft-natured type kid. And I think with a, a little bit of coaching and um, shown the way to, to use some aggression, he can be very strong there on that left wing as well. So he can certainly add some potency out there as well to, to get them forward. But, yeah, it's very exciting to to think what we we have that now that um, Ben Hunt will return from injury. We know that the form that he had at the back end of the year before a gain injury struck him as well. And it just seems to be the, the sign of the times for the Dragons issue. Wasn't it that injury just crueled at the wrong, at the wrong time? But um, Ben Hunt was certainly leading from the front and he was leading by example. And some of those defensive efforts that we saw when the, the Dragons needed to be lifted it was Ben Hunt that was doing it. And um, I look forward to seeing how he returns next year as well to guide these youngsters around because there's um, certainly a lot of excitement around it. 
Yeah, there is. Lots of excitement with some of the young players coming through and lots of excitement for 2022. Let's hope that it's a much more improved season, especially on the field, and we can double those eight wins that we recorded in season 2021. So that completes, I guess, part one of our review of the team from the St. George Illawarra Dragons covering fullback, wing, and centre tonight. And next week, we'll be chatting the halves, which was certainly an interesting position. It was a bit of a revolving door at times in the never number seven jump with Ben Hunt missing uh, with a few little different uh, injuries. We'll be talking about that next week on the Red V podcast. We're going to take another short break here on the podcast on episode 88. And then on the other side of that, uh, Luke and I are going to wrap everything up and take a look at your fans' corner questions for this week on the Red V podcast. You're listening to the Red V Podcast with Jack Clifton and Luke Potter. Hope you're enjoying uh, listening to everything about the St. George Illawarra Dragons, wherever you're located in this great country or potentially uh, overseas. A good hello to you and thank you uh, for tuning into the Red V Podcast. Before we get stuck into our uh, our uh, Fans Corner question segment, we really appreciate everyone that sends in their questions, their thoughts and, and everything. Uh, we are just going to play a little bit of a snippet from our upcoming interview with Ashton Sims, the uh, former Dragon that's spent five seasons at the Red V between 2003 and 2007. It's just giving you a little bit of an insight in some of the future chats with four players that we've got coming up here on the Red V podcast. We're chatting with Michael Wayman in a, in a few days. We've also chatted with a, a legend of the early 1990s in Peter Coyne and uh, also uh, Rod Henniker and Steve Larder from the uh, Illawarra sides in the, the 1980s. So some really good um, expansive and extensive chats with uh, some real characters from both the St. George and Illawarra sides uh, from the 1980s and 90s up into today. And here we have a little bit of a snippet of our upcoming chat uh, with Ashton Sims. He talks about his relationship and playing under Nathan Brown during his tenure in the mid-2000s. You spoke about Nathan Brown and your whole career at the Dragons was was played under, under Brownie. I guess a bit of a polarizing figure as a coach because he, he came in uh, into the first grade setup having coached Jersey Fleek the previous year. He was only 29, I believe, by far the youngest first grade coach in, in the NRL and probably mm. with the with the players at his disposal, people expected the Dragons to go further, even though they did make back-to-back preliminary finals in, in 05 and, and 06. What was your mm. relationship like, I guess, for the whole tenure of your, your time at the Dragons with him, Ashton? Mate, my relationship was really good with him. Uh, even through the good times and the bad times, look, he, there was times where he had to drop me and I was very disappointed that he dropped me, but he always explained why he did and and I always went back to the drawing boards and, and, and come back. And that's, you know, that's where that's where you get those real good life life lessons. That's where you learn mm. and build that resilience. You know, no one's going to, you know, you're not going to get ahead in life or you're not going to build resilience if you just keep living in your comfort zone. Uh, and he always, yeah, he always was very transparent with his communication with me, and uh, I always knew where I stood with Brownie. And it's, you know, again, sometimes there was those uncomfortable conversations that coaches have to have with players, but that's all part and parcel of coaching. Um, I, I, yeah, with my role now as the operations manager of the Group Seven, I've already had, to, I've only been in the job for five weeks. I've already had to have a few tough conversations, mm. and and they're not easy because. Yeah, especially when when the other person thinks they're right, but you've got to explain why they, you know, why they're not right or, or why we're thinking of, uh, how we are thinking. And you know, it's 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 all healthy discussion there in the end, as long as it doesn't get personal or it doesn't get mm. anything like that, which it didn't, which it never did with Nathan. I always had a good relationship with him, and I had a great chat to him at the start of this season. 
uh, up at up the Central Coast Stadium when I was doing a little bit of sideline work for the ABC. And I thanked him for everything that, you know, that he did for my career. And he goes on and he said, no, no, no I was only a very small part. And I said, well, you, you might have been only a very small part, you're integ- but you're an integral part. So Ashton talking there about playing under Nathan Brown. It's probably a time period that doesn't like to be spoken about by a lot of Dragons fans, that mid-2000s period where at times there was New South Wales and Australian reps galore, but unfortunately the the Dragons couldn't get it done. Regardless, a a fun little time, and you can hear a lot more um, of that chat with uh, with Ashton uh, a little bit later on um, in uh, in the months to to come here on the Red V Podcast. Looking forward uh, to playing that two-part chat with you. Almost had uh, two hours with Ashton. He was very generous with his time, and it was a, a really good chat probably one of the the the, the most well-spoken rugby league players i've ever spoken to has some uh, really good yarns i hope you enjoy that uh, as much as i do uh, let's get stuck into our fans corner questions for this week and not too many they've only really got two that we're going to go through but the first one potsy is a, a pretty interesting one and it's maybe i guess uh, trying to get us as fans to think a little bit differently about how and, and why we uh, we support the the, the club, um, but uh, uh, individual and I won't um, disclose his name. I think it's fine to keep it um, confidential. He hasn't asked me to do that. I've just decided to do that um, off my own back. But he contacted um, our Red V podcast page on Instagram, um, and this is what he had to say. I'll try and uh, get through this because it's a fairly lengthy um, a period of, of of words that he's put in. But this is basically um, what this guy had to say. He said, "We keep talking about what the club and team and players are going to do." next year to turn it around but we don't talk about what the what the fans can or could do to change the direction of the season either now I'm an avid Dragons fan 11 year Red V member and even have a Dragons tattoo so the team is literally on my skin however if you reflect back on the fan base over the last decade there has been a lot of negativity towards the team that would have that would have to play a part in how the players feel about playing for the Red V and I use Corey Norman as an example no one and myself included understood why you would sign him to the club and you don't think that Corey knew that the fans didn't want him at the Red V. That would have to have affected his commitment and performance. How could it not? Negativity to Mary would have had to impact him and the players in the team. The chance to get rid of Doust and Mary would have had to impact the morale of the players. I say this now because it is still going on. There is talk already about should Hook stay next year. I say 2021 can't be put on him and is 2022 enough time for him to make an impact. A two-year contract was going to be hard anyway. Yes, our coaches are getting older, but why do we put a negative spin on that? Now, don't get me wrong. I understand the frustrations the fans have and the reasons they have had public displays of negativity is mostly because they are kept in the dark. But if the team ran out in the field and 20,000 fans were cheering loudly for every player in the Red V, and even when we were down, we keep behind the team and try to lift them up, would this have an impact on the pride, drive, and morale of the team, even when we are down on the scoreboard? We keep seeing performances where the Dragons don't seem to play 80 minutes, but are the fans behind them for 80 minutes? Or do we turn on them to... too quick when things go wrong. Think about the differences in the fans from the early 90s and 2008 to 2010 and to us fans today. Don't we have part in the performance of the team and and pride in the team as well? So a big thanks for that individual that uh, contacted us. And he makes some pretty good points there, there, Potsy. I would just say that I think as fans, I think we're, we're certainly entitled to um, say what we want uh, about the side and keeping it within respectful. You, you don't want people sending abusive messages to 
players that play on the team and you don't want to harbour um, uh, ill feeling uh, between fans and players and those kinds of things. Uh, but I think fans are certainly entitled to get frustrated, I think especially with some of the inept performances both on and off the field by the Dragons in, in recent years. But he brings up some really good points. I think you can probably look at some of the English soccer clubs that – are getting thirty or 40,000 um, to games each week. And I know it's a little bit of a different culture over there, but are, are supporting their team regardless, win, win lose, or, or draw. And it's probably something that we could take a leaf at, out of their book and, and maybe try and encourage the team. I had a discussion with Johnny about this a few weeks ago, Potsy, and thought that maybe even the, the fact that the Dragons play half their games at Cogra might just be a bit of an intimid- intimidating factor for a lot of those players, a lot that don't, probably know the history of the St. George Club and, and obviously the internationals and the premierships and the, the big games that that, that that club won prior to, to to the merger that could probably sometimes give them the jitters of playing there and playing in front of those fans that are so passionate about the, the Red V. But maybe us as fans need to look at ourselves and we need to maybe channel that passion into to really supporting the side and, and not booing a side off at halftime or not getting really aggressive when we, we lose a couple of games and, and trying to show a little bit of positivity. Yeah, I love this. I think it's a great letter and um, a really good thought piece as well. And um, I guess for those that haven't picked up on already, I'm, I'm a very uh, glass half full kind of guy. I like to look for the positives in things. And um, obviously this is where this listener's coming from, of, of looking for the positives within a team. And you always go back and you hear the stories of former players and they talk about the fan base of the Dragons. And they always refer back to how hard it was being at the club in regards to the fan base and the pressure that comes from them over time. And maybe this is the the turning point. Maybe this is where we turn things around. Yes, absolutely. Fans pay their money to be a member. They have the right to say what they want to. But let's try and look towards the positives of what we can do to try and help this club along. It's been a long time since we've merged. We've come together. There is so much history between the two clubs, as you said, the stuff that the Dragons have done up there at Cogra Oval, and I respect what has gone on up there. My father actually used to work for, for Cogra Council, and I remember the day that he told me when I was young that he worked on the lawnmowers that were mowing the lawns at Cogra <laughs> Oval, and I just couldn't believe it. I'm like, my God, that's what my dad does for a job. And I was so excited and proud that that's what he did. Like, It is such a um, wonderful, historic ground up there at Cogra, and the same thing down here for, for Wollongong as well, to think the, the amount of players that have come through and now we're this one club that we really need to be looking for the positives as often as we can to try and get this club moving forward and sort of get out of these dark times that I think we're sort of in at the moment. We mm. we um, obviously haven't achieved a lot since 2010 in, in winning that premiership and, geez, wouldn't it be nice to get back to that again? It was obviously a, a great time. I, for me, I obviously, I guess, literally had to watch it from the sidelines, being a, a touch judge as well that I was removed from the club. But now that I'm, I'm been there and I've worked with the club and I've seen the people behind the club that working behind the scenes, the girls in membership that have to deal with the phone calls every Monday morning when there's a loss, um, I really feel for her. I know how she feels when she walks in at mm. 8.59 every morning and and she knows what her day is going to be like and probably the next three days after as well um, for what's coming down the phone line. So they're the sort of people that I feel sorry for that are doing their best behind the scenes in the club. And then obviously that flows through to the playing group as well. And, and they feel it as well. They, yeah. they As I said, they, they've spoken before about how hard it is to be a Dragons player and playing for a club. But again, it is a proud club. It is a passionate club. 
And I totally get that the fans just want to see those results and the players want those results too. But again, going back to this, I'd love to see a more positive spin put on things by the fans to try and get this club going forward. It's a really interesting one, Potsy. I, I support um, Aston Villa in the English Premier League. My my mum and her family's from uh, Birmingham, so I've been supporting them for, for a good part of uh, 15 years. And I remember um, reading a snippet from a, um, uh, an Aston Villa um, uh, book that someone um, had written many, uh, well, not many years ago, but a, a little while ago when, when Villa were kind of in the, the doldrums, um, uh, uh, I guess dropping between the, the lower echelons of the Premier League and dropping down to the second tier in the, in the championship before things are looking a little bit brighter over the last couple of years because of the, the different owners that have, that have come in. But I remember reading this little snippet and it was from um, a, a rival player that was um, didn't mention what club they were playing at, but he said that the, the fans at Villa Park at Aston Villa's home ground were, and they're similar to, to, to St. George Illawarra. They've had a proud history. They were one of the first ever uh, English football clubs to turn professional. They won a lot of FA Cups in the, in the early uh, 20th century. They were one of five or six English sides to have won the European Cup and had a lot of success in the in the the top flight English football in the the 19 1970s and, and 1980s and uh, this little excerpt said that when they, they opposition sides found that if we could get an early goal or we could put Villa on the back foot in those first 10 or 15 minutes the fans really almost started to turn on their own team and and um, the knives certainly came out for sharpening and if we're able to get a goal or get a couple of goals inside that first half he said we, we knew deep down that we had the game wrapped up because the players were so f- forlorn and they would drop their heads and it's probably a little bit similar to, to the Dragons maybe not in that extreme potsy but I, I think at both Cogra and Wollongong there's a, a lot of pride and there's been a lot of uh, finals matches played at these grounds and, and a lot of former players have graced these these grounds that we know no doubt wax lyrical about and that's what fans do where we're entitled to, to do that but um, yeah can we get on um, not, not get on the back of players but encourage them when they're down by 12 or 18 points it would be great to see the, the comeback that we did against Manly in 2004 to be I guess more of the, the norm when we fall, fall behind rather than I guess pulling those knives out for sharpening and, and seeing the side kind of wilt because as, you, as you've mentioned, Potts, it's a pretty, it can be a pretty hostile environment when you're a professional sports player. You might be getting paid money, but when there's people that are, are, are saying that you're not fit to wear the jersey and all of these other thoughts that are swirling around in your head, it's a, it's a, it can be a tough club to play for, the Dragons. That's, that's, that's no doubt. Yeah, absolutely. And, mate, I've, I've walked off the field behind some of those players um, after a loss at Cogra Oval. I remember there was one on a, a Friday night at Cogra Oval and um, following some of the players, they just had to get off the field as quickly as they could. And um, just seeing, um, I guess, the, the sort of hate and the anger that was in some of the fans' eyes as they were leaning over the top of the stand and on top of the cage there at Cogra. And I'm thinking, wow, like, this is your team. And this is the way that their anger was just being directed at the players. So, um, and yeah, I can, I can see the comparisons there with Villa as well, that obviously if you can get one up, Earlier on the team, the fans are going to turn on them and they don't have that support. And support can be a big thing in this game. It can certainly swing momentum. And hopefully now with this, I guess, changing of the guard type that we have at the Dragons mm-hmm. now with these youngsters coming through, hopefully that excitement, enthusiasm that these young players are going to bring, maybe that might flow over the fence and hit the spectators as well. And 
will all be going up as one for the Red V next year. Yeah, that's right. And it's not necessarily people throwing words or being aggressive and that kind of stuff, but sometimes when you you just stay a little bit quiet because the side's down and down in the your heart of hearts, you, you believe that the, the game's over. And I think I've been there. You've no doubt that being there, Potiolos fans have kind of been in that situation where we're like, oh, the game's, the game's over now. We're down by six with 10 minutes to play, but maybe we need to just change our mentality and perhaps change uh, our thinking in regards to that. Our other question for Fans Corner Potsy is from uh, Jordan Reyes. And Jordan has said, hey, boys, my question, for tonight is with finals footy on the horizon uh, do you believe that the footy squad that Hook is moulding for next year will be contenders for the premiership in either 2022 or 2023 alongside sides like the Panthers the Roosters Storm and Manly we all saw a glimmer of hope from our younger stars but do you believe the marquee signings for 2022 will be enough to challenge the competition heavyweights yeah Jordan great question Um, oh geez. Look, I'd like to think next year is going to be another year of growth. Um, we saw a few green shoots this year with these youngsters. Um, maybe it is still building for next year. It might be 2023 when we get to see some real solid results from the club. But look, you just don't know. The, again, the excitement with this youth coming through, we know what young kids can do when they're not um, daunted and overawed by the stage or the occasion. They can just produce anything and, Again, the classic example is the Penrith Panthers. They just seem to have come from nowhere with these youngsters that have come through their grades and all of mm. a sudden they're this wonderful team that are still now obviously fighting for a, a spot in the grand final this year in the NRL Telstra Premiership. So, yeah, look, I, I'd, I'd never say never, but I'd like to think um, next year, geez, if we go close to the eight, but following year, um, hopefully that will be the year for the Dragon. So I think we've just got to stick solid, stick on board, be excited for the the change that's coming and, and for those little green shoots that we see and um, continue with our strong support, pride and passion of the club. Yeah, well answered, uh, Potsy. Big thanks to Jordan for getting in contact with us at the podcast. If you've got any uh, questions that you want featured or you want uh, some voice questions heard on the pod- podcast, you can always get in contact with us here at uh, redvpodcast at gmail.com. That's redvpodcast at gmail.com. That brings us to the end of Fans Corner and also brings us to the end of episode 88 of the Red V Podcast. A big thanks for everyone that is uh, tuned in and listens to the podcast. We are not stopping throughout the off-season, so we've got lots of great content. We've got lots of uh, chats with former players uh, coming up. As I mentioned, a chat with uh, Mickey Wayman uh, later in this week. We're chatting to uh, another 2010 Premiership winner in John Green, Matt Elliott, the assistant coach, who we chatted to uh, last week. We're going to have a bit more expansive chat with him and and, uh, hear about his career and his coaching in the lower grades at the Dragons and how he's coached all over the world uh, in rugby league and uh, plenty more um, really good conversations that I'm sure you'll enjoy. So make sure you're continually uh, tuning in to the Red V podcast. And if you do want to support us, Financially, uh, if you head to patreon.com forward slash Red V podcast, uh, you'll be able to find the different uh, tiers there. Big thanks to everyone that is uh, so far supporting the podcast financially. Potsy, uh, great to have had you on tonight, mate, and great to have chatted a bit about the Dragons. Might be off season, but there's always uh, plenty to talk about with the, the mighty Red V. Thanks so much for your help tonight, mate. Oh, no worries at all, mate. Rugby league never sleeps, does it? It always continues on. But thank you so much again for having me, Jack. No worries. A big thanks to uh, to Luke Potter. And uh, we hope that uh, wherever Johnny Pets listening is doing well and looking forward to having Johnny uh, back on the show, show in the coming weeks. This has concluded episode 88 of the Red V podcast. Until uh, Johnny or Luke or myself jump on and be chatting to you next about Dragons football and episode 89 comes across the airwaves. Don't forget to check out The Missing Rings Part 3 dropping this Thursday 
Thursday, the 23rd of September at 7.30pm. But until then, and until the podcast episode next week with episode 89 dropping, this is Jack Clifton and Luke Potter bidding you farewell from the Red V Podcast. Let's go those mighty dragons. Podcast Network.